Hello, hello, hello. You are tuning into the Rise Station podcast, and I'm your host, Pranella Harris. I'm a mental health professional, and here I talk about mental health education and wellness tips. And today I have a special guest with me. Her name is Makisha K. Lee, and she is such an inspiration. She is a therapist with a passion to serve, and I just can't wait for you guys to hear her story. But before we get into that, let's hear a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Restorative Family Services. We are a behavioral health practice. Our mission is to provide quality, affordable, and accessible mental health care to the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. If you are struggling and in a dark place, we are here to help. Visit our website at www.restorativefamilyservices.com. This podcast is brought to you by Private Practice, where we provide leadership training and practice management coaching specific to helping mental health professionals build their private practice to provide a much needed service for their community. Want to learn more? Visit our website at www.privatepractice.com. Okay, Rise Tribe. Listen, I have a special guest. Every so often, I try to bring on interesting individuals who have a captivating story, who have risen out of a dark spot so that they can provide our audience with inspiration. And I'm so excited to introduce you to my special guest today, Makisha K. Lee. She is a therapist, and I can't wait for you guys to meet her. Without further ado, let me go ahead and introduce my special guest, Kay Lee. She likes to go by. All right, Kay Lee. Yes, hi. How are you guys? Hi, Rise Tribe. <laughs> welcome, welcome. I'm so Thank glad you for having you're me. You're welcome. Right. <laughs> you inform everyone listening to your voice today who you are. Yes. Hi, my name is Makisha Kaley. I am a regional clinical coordinator for outpatient services for a company, DTAC, in the state of Pennsylvania. And I also am a independent contractor therapist and just an individual who, I guess, lends anything they can regarding mental health to the community. So I'm appreciative of you guys having me. Rise Tribe, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you all. Thank you for being here. So you're pretty interesting and I follow you on Facebook. So I want our listeners to get to know who you are as a person. So can you give the listeners some details about yourself, some of your hobbies, some of the things that you're interested in doing? (laughs) Well, Rise Tribe, I have to compare to you guys, which is a lot because I know you guys are all very unique. And I think that's what lends me to being in this show. This is an amazing opportunity that I get to be on this here and just uniqueness. I am, oh my goodness, I am just an individual that wants to lend to humanity with my skill set that I have. Whatever talents that I've been given, I want to be able to give that to humanity. So I tend to be an individual that's involved in a lot of different things. I mean, I have my master's degree in clinical counseling, behavioral neuroscience, and I have background in PhD courses as well. But I mostly lend a lot of my clinical expertise slash leadership expertise into operational positions to help to see if I can kind of streamline how services are being provided to clients and their families because, you know, client care is the utmost. It is one of the primary things that I want to ensure that I oversee and ensure that it gets 
given to the people the best way possible because mental illness has so much stigma associated with it. It's important to have individuals who are passionate about it. And I have been doing this for over 15 years. So it has become just second nature. But other than that, I just lend myself even more because I want to be able to have some extra things to like teach my staff and teach clients and let them know that they're beyond just that, you know, whatever that limitation that they have in their mind that could be. So that includes hunting, fishing, that includes I'm a student pilot, that includes you name it, arts and crafts. I love doing stuff like that. I love gardening. I have an amazing puppy who's getting ready to go through the process of being a therapy dog for children on the autism spectrum and who have mental illness. So there's so many different things that I lend to. I have a athletic wear brand and I also have a jewelry line because I just love jewelry. It's just one of the things that I love. So why not expand that into something that can possibly, not just as an income source, but more for the young ladies that I have as my models. They're like teenagers, they're young adults, and they love modeling the jewelry. And I usually provide them all the jewelry for free. (laughs) And they just enjoy that. And I think I enjoy that more than worrying about the cost of anything. So I get to see the world a little bit differently with my interests. And as long as it ties back to giving a unique perspective to leadership, to my staff and to the clients that I provide service to, you name it, there's nothing that's out there that I won't try. So um, there's a lot of things that I like to get my feet wet in. So um, yeah, that's a couple of the things that I do. <laughs> now you have mentioned pushing through mindset blocks and some of the things that you do, I was just so impressed by. You ran over it like it was something like every day, but student pilot. You're the one in those jets and, you know, we see those, right? That's what you do. So the aerobatic planes. So yes, um, I am a student pilot for single engine planes, such as Cessna 172 and Cherokee planes. I fly those with my pilots and let me see my flight instructor. Yeah, I fly, fly those out of Bloomsburg Airport, actually, and also Sailings Grove Airport. I am a student of Turn 2 Aviation. And then I also involve in helicopters. Yeah, why not? I why Robinson, not? was it, 22? Yeah, Robinson. I flew that. That was pretty interesting. I'm not a fan of the helicopters. They told me to try another, a Swisher. That's this other brand of um, helicopters that I need to fly that I will be able to give that elevation the way that I like. So um, we're going to try that next. Yep. And then there's one more that I do the aerobatic planes where we do the 360 flips or we do the flips on the sides of different wings. That is a pit special. So I go out and do that pretty often with an amazing friend of mine who has been a pilot since he was 16. and He's in his 60s at this point. I mean, the amount of hours those guys have spent in the air, I just have to bow down and just honor what they have done, but I get to use this talent that I naturally have that I didn't realize was just there out of just saying, let me go try and practice and see what happens. And I just, it's a passion. Fearless. Fearless. Now, are there a lot of women in the school that you're in? Uh, (laughs) I wish there were more, but no, there is not. That doesn't deter me though. I think, I think maybe growing up in a household where I had three older brothers, sexism isn't the major thing for me in regards to anything that holds me back. So I tend to try anything that guy would probably try because I've seen my father who's an amazing motivator. My brothers have always been amazing motivators and they still are. They're amazing motivators in my life. I love them. And that doesn't let me, um, I guess, stop anywhere. So yeah, there's not a lot of females. There's maybe one. I did a recent FAA class. We did a safety training class and everybody flew in for the class, which I thought was so amazing that everybody brought their own planes and came to class. 
be at their plane. Like no one drove. <laughs> it was probably wow. like two people who drove, but everyone else flew in for the class. I thought that was just so amazing. And I would get there, but it was only myself and one other lady. I think her husband's a pilot and we were there and we got a chance to connect and see if we can create a woman's support group actually for the one or few that are going to be flying. And we, we want to encourage the young ladies to get them going. I know there's one 16 year olds over there turned to aviation. We want to encourage to complete her licensure and, and get her solo flight done so she can be licensed and take the test. Yeah. But that courage, that level of <laughs> courageousness that you have to have to say, you know what, there isn't any examples, but I will be the example. And that's what this podcast is about. It's about providing hope, providing just being a pioneer is very difficult. You don't have anybody, you know, who can support you. So now that you're in that space, you're saying, okay, I'm going to go ahead and give back and create a more welcoming atmosphere. One more thing before we move into what we're going to talk about today. You also hunt. Yeah. (laughs) You're a whole baddie. Like you are a whole like bot. So you do tell me about the hunting, like, you know, what type of hunting you do and where that passion comes from. Well, I can say this much. I am moving to central Pennsylvania about four years ago. I decided that I'm going to, whenever I'm in any environment, I like to immerse myself in it so I can get the full benefits of that environment. And being out here, it just brings a vibe of hunting and, and fishing and all of those amazing things that I love to do. And I grew up, my grandfather was a farmer. So I have a little bit of a background with that. So it was a segue into, hey, I can get, you know, an opportunity to, as long as I have my licensure from the Pennsylvania Game Commission, being respectful to the authorities that are, you know, in place, why not do it? And I, you know, could cultivate finding friends that can do that too. I never shy away from a new experience. Same with horseback riding, none of those things. I I never shy away from all of that stuff. I just reach out and see if I can find the individuals that can explain more of the details of the process for me. So, Because I'm very much of, I want to try to go by the rules. That always happens, but I try my best. (laughs) And that's what led me straight into hunting. Even if it's fishing, I love doing that too. I go out there and I fish, enjoy myself. I have my fishing license every single year. I get that as soon as it opens up, maybe like one week and I get it. And I'm usually out fishing and doing different things like that too. Wow. Well, you're very interesting. With all the things that you're interested in, I find it so amazing. Like, you know, the level of bravery that you just have to go for whatever it is that you want to do. So what got you into the mental health field? Well, the mental health field kind of, to be honest, it took me a little by a slight surprise. I was a biochem psych major. I had all three sciences coupled in one. When I was an undergrad, I created my own major actually. And I was just exploring it and enjoying it. And then it was just something about the psych courses. It just took me in. Like I understood organic chemistry. Chemistry was great. But then we had to find the hippocampus and a sheep's brain and, and, and tie that into long-term and short-term memory and how that impacts, you know, your living. And it just made everything become more alive. I just thought I saw science in a more 3D motion when I was involved in psychology. Because biology can be, to me, it's one-dimensional. Science in regarding chemistry is one-dimensional. But psychology, psychology is just ever moving, we're ever evolving. And it was just so beautiful. 
It was the most beautiful course I could have ever taken. And that's all it took. And I completely immersed in that course. And then I eventually was able to combine both of my degrees now after making that decision to get my bachelor's and master's both combined and focus on behavioral neuroscience because I do love science all together, no matter what. And it led me to a good path of my career where I worked within hospital settings with um, five psychiatrists and drug companies, you name it, where I was able to understand the dynamics of how the you know serotonin reuptake inhibitors, how they in fact uh, affect the brain all of those things. It gave me a different level of understanding. Science brought that, but I think psychology was just so, it's such a right here and now connection to the human condition. So I have a question. Have you ever gone through a dark period? You know, this podcast is for individuals who are currently at or have been going through a very dark period in their life. Have you ever gone through a dark period? And if so, what helped you get out of that? Like what were the things that you went through to get um, out? Yeah, Every human has been through something dark in their past. That's major to kind of push yourself to climb out of. There's a few, there's a few that I've been able to pull myself through, but the one that I will highlight because it encompasses the one thing that's always helped me pull out of anything is let's say the passing of my mom, right? We talk about grief and loss a lot. And in losing my mother or the process of losing my mother, because she was in hospice care for about three weeks before she was declared actually dead, my faith was challenged. I mean, my mom was an ordained minister. I grew up in the church at the age of 16. I went through the whole process of getting baptized and going through courses and, and taking all these classes after, after school, being a part of uh, my church's um, traveling team of individuals who took all these different, you know, like we challenged a bunch of churches throughout like Canada and England even. So we really traveled and studied the book and knew the book. But I could say all of that life experience, everything led up to that. It led up to me understanding the process of losing someone that you love and, and actually never truly losing them because they're always a part of you. They're always a part of me. And I think that's what's made me a little bit more fearless is because I know I have this amazing entity of a mom who gave me so much love beyond that I could ever even fathom that it still goes on to this day. It's been 11 years and it feels like it was just yesterday. She's still a driving force. She's still someone I know who will be proud of anything that I would try and do good to society. And my faith, she's taught me what that is. I think that was the darkest point in my life, just balancing and understanding how, how do I navigate through this part of losing my mom? And then I had to lean on my father. They've been married for beyond 40 years. So I had to lean on him and he guided me through. He's now my mom and dad. Like he's the one person, <laughs> both mother's dad, call him up for mother's day, which <laughs> And wish him happy Mother's Day. He, he laughs about it, but he takes it every year. Every year, he's the one that I call for happy Mother's Day. So <laughs> it's just, we did it together. We know what love truly means because of the faith that I have. And I was blessed to have a woman that was able to teach that to me throughout my entire life, that it transcends beyond her being here to continue to love myself, love my brothers, my dad, and to love others, to give the best that I can in any capacity that I can and be okay with making mistakes and being okay to be human, but know that my foundation's love, no matter what's happening. 
I think in anything that anyone goes through that's dark, you can always find the light towards it because you are human. It's okay to go through rough times. We're all going to go through it. But there's so many of us that have gone through it and lived through it. That's why you have stations like you have for Rise. And everyone is able to understand the Rise station is important to kind of give that information to other individuals because you feel like you're alone. Yeah. Oh, it's something else to feel like you're alone. And we need more people like yourself who are allowing others to talk, express that and, and let others know that, no, you're not alone. Because, you know, losing someone so close to you is difficult. But I like what you stated was that, you know what, I cried through it. I felt my feelings and I accepted it and then Ooh. found purpose in it. You know, after I'd gone through all of that pain, I ended up on the other side and I can appreciate everything that she's taught me after I went through the hardest part. So thank you for sharing that. No problem. Yes, yes. So what are you doing as a therapist now? What projects are you currently involved in working on, want to get the message out for? So for the month of September, it's been kind of my personal mission for suicide prevention awareness to just involve my staff and get them. They're the main ingredient for being bought into this process, because once they understand it, then they will be able to transition it over to the kids. It's beyond September for me. I want to see my staff continue this beyond this month to provide that clinical one-on-one with kids who struggle. We review our safety plans like we're supposed to update them in our charts because I also do chart audits as well for my agency. So I'm able to take a look to see if those are all up to date. And we just we build on that and we give them that security that they need on the outlet and um, give them the national um, phone number, the 988 number that's there, even that our agency is now part of that whole national resources, but giving them that information so they know like if you're not a program, because we have partial hospital program, we have an outpatient arts program, and we also have a site clinic program as well. So most of our kids eventually go home for the evenings. You know, they're home with their parents, they're home with whoever their legal guardian is, and sometimes they get support and sometimes they don't. So what do we do when they don't get support? What kind of information are we imparting on them? And that's where the 988 number comes in. And of course, crisis, whatever is to the local county. And they follow up on that until they can be able to come back in the next morning for programming. So I just want to make sure we give our kids that well-rounded continuity of care. That's best practice for every clinician so that we allow our kids to know, listen, if I am not there between the hours of eight to five, you have a resource that's there between 8 to whatever the time may be or 5 p.m. till whatever until we see you again. You're always supported. You have this mental illness. If it happens to bring you to a point of suicidality or, you know, getting depressed, there are people that are out there to support you. You have teammates, you know, that will always reach out to you and talk to you. Now, can you go over with our audience, what are some of the telltale signs that they need to explore someone's mental illness to see if they're at risk for suicide? Yeah, there are things that we do need to look for. Well, for parents, because that developmental stage is so vital for teenagers and they're going to have rough days. It's going to happen. I remember going through rough days myself. When you see your child not engaging in their regular activities that they do on a daily basis or weekly basis, you want to pay attention to stuff like that heightened anxiety. You want to pay attention to some of those things. You want to kind of also, if you have a family history of mental illness, that's important for you to pay attention to. 
you may not have it. Maybe their dad had it or, you know, or their dad had it and somebody else sent a couple lines down. There's, there's biological factors that could come in place as play as well. Maybe abnormal developmental issues. You maybe had your youth screen for autism spectrum disorder, and there's different things that are just there that impact development. You have to consider the development of any child. So there's a multitude of things that you can look at. And as long as you see that your kid is just definitely not acting as normal as they used to, it's normal as in just jovial, enjoying time with you, communicating with you, their friends, everybody else in their environment, I think you need to pay attention to what that may be and have that conversation with them to see if there's something that could be, you know, bothering them that could even be associated with social media. There's a lot of online bullying. That's one of the main main oh online and in school bullying that is happening that's really triggering a lot of suicidality for a lot of the kids according to the hotline when i spoke to them um at the national um level that's what they mentioned to me is one of the big things that pops up with them is, is uh, the bullying the online bullying so um it's important if you see another kid saying something negative to one try to redirect that even if you see your own kid doing it you know because we have a lot of kids who are with parents who are not healed they're broken people and if they're broken, their kids are not going to be healed either. They're going to probably transfer that brokenness right down to them. And unfortunately, they bring that to school. They bring that to social activities. They bring that to recreational activities. And your kid that's well-developed in a social environment, you know, healthy and balanced, will be exposed to that. And you have to be able to confront it. And that may be addressing it with whoever the adult authority person for those recreational activities are. Or even if it's your kid just talking and saying, I need you to speak up. If something happens in science class, I need you to go and speak to your teacher. If something's happening in gym or when you're in the locker room and the teachers aren't available, I need you to speak up for yourself. One of the biggest things that you can do with bullying is encouraging your kids to speak up for themselves because that's one of the biggest triggers for suicidality because there's just the constant bullying, the negative statements of putting them down. That social stressor weighs them down this is the most social they'll ever be in their life they're trying to fit in figure out who they are where they belong their milestones they're going through there's so much and that is one of the triggers for them so yeah i think bullying is definitely one of the major ones that we have to look out for and work on from there and there are a host more but i think what we can take away from this is just anytime you're child or adolescent is displaying any changes, any drastic changes, Mm -hmm. you you know, their appetite, their sleep patterns, um, their ability to socialize, demeanor, their mood, definitely pay attention and don't take it lightly because this is a national problem and we definitely want to get ahead of it. As a therapist, that's one of the things that really impacts me the most when I see young people who don't want to live And they have so much to live for. And so I really do struggle with that. I'm definitely glad that you're doing the work that you're doing. Now, the facility that you manage, what level of care is that? Is that a residential facility? Is that outpatient? Okay, Okay. well, we are blessed to have both. (laughs) DTAC is an amazing organization that is blessed to have both. We give like, I I personally think it's like a good, well-rounded service for kids because I've worked in partial hospital settings. I've worked in residential independent living, but never one where all of it is encompassed in, in, in one company and DTAC absolutely represents that. So we do have a residential component, RTF component of the company that is run by two amazing ladies in regional um, level. 
And then we have the outpatient facility that is run by myself and my counterpart, Christina. She's also amazing as well. Like we both are able to, you know, go hand in hand operations or pretty much um, admin and uh, clinical skills. Pretty much we kind of like tag team as much as we can. And that helps us to be able to provide quality service to the kids that come through our programs. We have what is it, 170 staff um, that we have to kind of oversee and over 400 clients total. So we oversee seven different outpatient programs and we give as much as we can in regarding quality service to our, you know, with the, the area within uh, Pennsylvania and the RTF program does the same. They, they definitely are at a great high level of performance. We work well with the CCBH um, insurance providers and just give the best quality services. We have meetings on a monthly basis, provider meetings, collab meetings. We're always in communications with the state and kind of stay within the state regulations in regarding how we provide best services to our clients. Yeah. Very great. So that would be Pennsylvania. You cover services for residents of... Okay. Pennsylvania, I mean, thank you so much because it definitely is needed. And I'm glad to have you here talking about ways that your uh, agency can help if anyone, any parents or even teachers are, or anyone who has access to children and adolescents are seeing uh, any of the signs uh, and symptoms. Anything else you want to share with our listeners before uh, we end today? Yes. I mean, as we talked about the agency and just the connection to suicide prevention awareness, I just wanted to put that out there. If there are, because we do have referrals that come from hospital settings. We have referrals that come from, you know, different providers, school districts as well. But we also have parent referrals. (laughs) You know, when your kid needs that help, you know, when they've been through something traumatizing, even you know, simple as a the topic of divorce could come up. That's a, that's a trauma response to the the, tra- the topic of loss, the topic of um, even the move and relocations. There's so many different things in fostering. There's a lot of um, children that we have in our system of care that deal with those different transitions from different homes. And that alone could be traumatic for a lot of those kids. Our uh, website for right now that we can be able to connect to where people can reach out to us is DTA Centers. That's DTACenters.com. All right. They can go on there and look us up as much as they can. Diversified treatment, alternative centers. Um, we provide that service. If they go on our website, they'll be able to, you know, reach out to the different connections that are there. There's always contacts us on the website uh, that they can reach out and um, they'll be able to maybe just connect and be able to get the evaluations done and get going with their services. So I just wanted to just put that out there for the public to know that there is an amazing resource in the state of Pennsylvania that can provide therapeutic services for your kids after school. That would be the um, arts program, trauma therapy or outpatient clinic. And then we have those that may need that service. Maybe we have your kid that may need it all throughout the day. You know, they may need more something, something more intensive. That would be the partial hospital program that's right there for them. And your kid gets the educational component throughout their day as well. So they're not missing out on school at all. Their grades are monitored and they get the therapeutic component all combined in one throughout their entire day. And uh, they have those services uh, for them. So dtacenters.com is one you guys can get to and see if you can 
connect with the links there or reach out to any of the phone numbers on the website, call and get yourself uh, intake, speak to the staff that's there, ask questions. Matter of fact, just call and ask some questions. If you're not ready for a full referral, that's okay. <laughs> well, there is never any, any pressure at all. Just call, ask a few questions and see what happens. We'll probably guide you where you need to be. That's what we do. So I appreciate you for your time, Rise Station, the crew. Oh my goodness, I appreciate all of you guys for everything you guys do to provide a platform for mental health to be just explored more in the state of Pennsylvania and beyond. And beyond. I love that. I love that about your station. Thank you so much, Pernella, for having me. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And thanks for um, being on our show. We will have all of the websites and links posted on the show notes so that you can get the services for your child and adolescent that you need. Uh, It sounds like they're doing great things. And um, yeah, I just want to continue to kind of educate you guys on what is available and what you can do. Uh, And even if you're not in the state of Pennsylvania, there may be something similar in your locale that you can um, look up. So definitely want to always educate yourself on what the signs to look for and then talk to members of your community to see what is available right in your town. Thank you so much, Rise Tribe. Listen, I hope this was helpful. Enjoy your day. (laughs) Perfect. Take care. Thank you. If you have found this episode helpful, help us grow our audience. By providing us with a five-star review, you help make this podcast visible to others. Help pull others out of a dark space by showing that you care, by sharing this podcast with them. Nothing is better than a friend or loved one who wants you to up-level your life with them. Thanks for tuning in.